This program is sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ. There's a message true and glad for the sinful and the sad. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. It will give them courage new. It will help them to be true. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring out. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Redeeming the Time. I'm your host, Chris Macy. And I am the minister here with the North Valley Church of Christ. Okay, so here it is. It's May 26th, and um, things are opening back up in the state of Arizona. That is a good thing. I know a lot of people don't think it is. A lot of people think it, it is, and some people think it's too slow. You know, it, everyone's on different, seems like on different uh, sides of things of, of this. But to be honest, I, I think it's a good thing. Thing. And I think it's a good thing that we are taking it easy. At first, I thought we were going too slow, but now I, I, I'm changing my mind on that. I think we're doing the right thing. There's a lot of people out there that are very scared, and they don't think we should open up at all. So we're taking it slower than we probably need to, I think, which is a good thing. It's for their sake. Like we wear the mask. The mask don't keep us safe. It keeps other people safe in case we have something. You know, that's what a mask does. It doesn't stop you from getting the coronavirus. All these posts you see on Facebook talking about, well, it doesn't stop anything. Here's how small it is. It stops you know, particles from flying out of your mouth. And the coronavirus might be attached to those particles, and that's why it gets stuck in the mask, okay? And yeah, it's not perfect, but it does some good. And same thing with many other things of, of guidelines or whatnot. Anyway. The reason why I bring all this up, we are going to be opening up our building here at the North Valley Church of Christ in Cave Creek, Arizona. On Sunday morning, we're not doing class. We're only going to open up for morning worship at 1030. But we're going to have a a table out there that's going to have hand sanitizer. We'll we'll have some masks and gloves and other things. We're going to have the guidelines set out. Um, we're asked that people wear a mask in and out of the building. Don't shake hands. Don't hug. Be mindful. We'll have seats marked off and whatnot. And so we're going to be as careful as we possibly can. We encourage you, if you're feeling sick at all, stay home. If you're over 65, stay home. If you have a, an immune deficiency of some kind, stay home. Okay? If you have a surgery coming up, stay home. We're going to continue the online services for a good while uh, also. And so we're going to take it as easy and as uh, careful as we can. But things have to open up. You, we can't do this forever or until a vi- vaccine comes. We just we need to start opening up. But we can do it, and we can do it responsibly. So we hope that uh, uh, you're able to come if possible. If you're nervous or too scared, if you want to stay home and use online services for now, that's fine. That's fine. We're going to have that. And so it, it will be ready. Okay, so we're going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 3 here in just a moment. We're going to be talking about being a brave adventurer. Don't you want to be a brave adventurer, right? Um, as Christians, you know, God saved us to go on the, to go on adventure, really. He called us to be bold, uh, to be brave. According to one of the dictionaries I read, an adventurer is someone who likes dangerous or exciting experiences. A person who seeks adventure, a person willing to take risks. It's synonymous with swashbuckler, right? Hero or heroine, traveler, voyager, explorer, pathfinder, pioneer, all these things. 
I, I've been on many adventures. I, I remember going to Trinidad, Tobago for a um, door knocking campaign. I, my time in the army and all the things I got to to do in that. Um, others have been on uh, adventures that are in the military. I know Tyler Bigham is doing that. Uh, Eric Ihus uh, is, I think he's he's in Japan, Okinawa, I think. And he's in different. They're they're all going different places, and there's a lot of adventures. We all go on adventures, and so. Were we brave adventurers doing all those different things? We, we were nowhere near being brave. We were just sightseers, right? We were nowhere near being bold, I think. We were just there. But now, as Christians, God has called us to be bold adventurers. Yeah, I was in the army. But I think I was pretty safe. Yeah, I've gone to a different country. You have too. You may have felt, felt like it was an adventure, but it was a sightseeing adventure, right? And I was in a war zone, but not like others did. You know, like those that we honored yesterday on Memorial Day. Those were bold adventurers. But as Christians, you know, God has called us to be bold, brave adventure. Not sightseeing. Not going somewhere and, and move, as we sometimes say, oh, let's just move outside of our comfort zone. It's so much more than that. It's so much more than that. Jesus described it like this in Matthew chapter 5 when he said, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. You know, I use salt to season my food, and I turn on lights to light up a room, but if salt and light don't fulfill their purpose, if they're hidden away, not used, they're literally useless to me. That's what Jesus was saying to us in the Sermon on the Mount. We've been called to fulfill a purpose. And so many people are always asking, what's my purpose? What's God's purpose for me? He's got one. I'm going to give it to you today. We've been called to be more than just a bunch of folks who sit inside the four walls of a church building or sit at home watching this on TV or listening to it on a radio to just sit there. We've been called to be bold in our faith and to share it with others. So we have a mission. We have a bold adventure set before us. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says it like this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. So what is this that God has called us to do? What is the bold adventure he set before us? And so as I you know, looked at this text that, that we're taking a look at, I came to the conclusion that it consists of three basic parts. We're going to look here at First Peter. Here's the, the first part is to live our faith, to be bold in our faith, and to be prepared to give an answer for our faith. So let's look at that first part. We're in 1 Peter 3, well, let's look at verse 13, and I, I want to call this, God calls us to eagerly live our faith. 
And Peter implies that God looks for us to be, there in verse 13, zealous for what is good. Zealous for what is good. And Peter also tells us in that passage uh, what that eagerness should look like when he says, All of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit, so on and so forth. And this is the listing of the kind of things we should be known for. That harmony, sympathetic, loving brothers, being compassionate, being humble, not paying evil for evil, but with the blessing, and keep our tongues from evil and deceitful speech. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace. Not just seek it, but pursue it. Peace. In other words, God calls us to be a people who show respect and love for others. Now, many of us have been Christians for a number of years. Do Christians always, do we always live up to that kind of criteria? No. (laughs) No, we don't. And God knows that. So, he had Peter repeat the command a couple of times in his letter. So, even here in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17, he repeats it when he says, Oh, I'm in James. There I go. Okay. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. And then over in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. He says it like this. Now for this very reason, also applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence. And in your moral excellence, knowledge. And, and so on and so forth. And there's so much more that he, he goes into, uh, into on that. But he's repeating it over and over again, what we ought to be. Why stress it? Because it isn't always easy for us to be good, kind, loving people, is it? What Peter is telling us is this. You and I, we need to deliberately decide that this is what our adventure is all about. We should be zealous for what is good. A few years ago, several years ago, Chick-fil-A's founder made uh, people pretty upset when he claimed, quote, I think we are inviting God's judgment on our nation when we shake our fist at him and say, we know better than you as to what constitutes a marriage. Now, that's the end of the quote. And uh, he said that his company was, quote, very much supportive of the family, the biblical definition of the family unit. I agree with him, 100%. But that created a firestorm. He was being bold, wasn't he? That's being bold and brave right there. It created a firestorm. The Chicago uh, alderman announced that he would block a Chick-fil-A location in his ward. Mayor Rahm Emanuel there in Chicago declared Chick-fil-A's values are not Chicago's values. On Twitter, San Francisco Mayor Edwin Lee at the time declared that Chick-fil-A wasn't welcomed in San Francisco, even though the restaurant hadn't announced any plans to open a location there. And Washington Mayor Vincent Gray called the chain hate chicken. (laughs) Well, good job. Well, we totally agree with Chick-fil-A. At least I do. Our nation is inviting God's judgment because of the acceptance of gay marriage, homosexual unions. But that's not all Chick-fil-A should be known for. 
When a winter storm buried Birmingham, Alabama in snow several years ago, stranding hundreds of motorists, the store manager of one of the local Chick-fil-A's said, quote, our store is about a mile and a half from the interstate. It took me two hours to get there. It was a parking lot for as far as I could see. And she saw people stranded on both sides of the interstate, many of whom had been there for seven hours. So she went back to the rest- restaurant. She and the other stranded employees cooked several hundred sandwiches and stood out on both sides of the highway handing out the sandwiches to anyone they, they could get to. And they refused to take a single penny for the sandwiches. After delivering the food and even helping drivers maneuver along the icy road, the owner and the staff took it one step further and opened up their dining room to anyone who wanted to sleep on a bench or a booth. Then in the morning, they fired up the ovens once again and gave stranded motorists another free meal. Why? Well, when they asked the manager, uh, Andrea Pitt uh, said this, This company is based on taking care of people and loving people before you're worried about money and profit. We were just trying to follow the model that we've all worked under for so long and the model that we've come to love. There was really nothing else we could have done but try to help people any way we could. Hmm, sounds very biblical. The employees of that uh, Chick-fil-A eagerly lived their mission. They knew what they had to do when people were hurting. Bold, brave adventurers. They knew their mission was to take care of people because their company was built on Christian principles. Boy, I might go buy some Chick-fil-A today. (laughs) You know, the same way, we ought to eagerly live our faith in such a way that people know, they know that we not only stand for purity and good doctrine, but that we live our faith in a mission to love others. So, number one, as bold adventurers, we were called to live our faith, the, the way we live our life, the way we walk in our, in our life, live our faith. Secondly, God calls us to be bold in our faith. 1 Peter three fourteen commands us, do not fear their intimidation and do not be troubled. Again, this is a repeated command to God's people. Someone once uh, went through the scripture and found that the command, do not fear, showed up in one form of another or another, 365 times. Well, if that's true, well, that's perfect. That's, that's a command for every day of the year. Do not fear. And so, I did a cross-reference search, search on this verse. And several times, David wrote something like this. This is uh, uh, in Psalm 27.1, the one I'm going to quote here. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? Isaiah said in Isaiah 41.10, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not uh, anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's God speaking through Isaiah. And Jesus said in John 14.27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled nor let it be fearful. It's hard to be a bold adventurer if you're conquered by fear. Fear and boldness just don't go together. Now, can 
Can someone be happy and afraid at the same time? Clear thinking and afraid? Confident and afraid? Merciful and afraid? I'm not saying that there's no, absolutely no fear at all. I get nervous. Uh, there's fear about certain things. But I don't let that fear you know, master me. I keep it at bay. It may make me a little cautious, but I don't let it rule my life. Fear is that big bully in the high school hallway, right? Brash, loud, unproductive. For all the noise that fear makes in room that it takes up, it does little good. Fear never wrote a symphony or a poem. Fear never negotiated a peace treaty or cured a disease. Fear never pulled a family out of poverty or a country out of bigotry. And fear never saved a marriage or a business. Fear didn't do that. Courage did. Faith did. People who refused to consult or cower in their timidness did that. But fear itself? Fear herds us into a prison and it slams the door shut. It does. God knows that most of us struggle with fear once in a while. But he repeatedly tells us, do not be afraid. Why? Why shouldn't we be afraid? Well, just from the verses I, I, I said a few minutes ago, the Lord is my light, right? He's my salvation. That's why. He's my stronghold, the Lord. He's the stronghold of my life. Because God declared, I am your God, I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And as Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. We can be bold adventurers because God has promised never to leave us, to never forsake us. And God told us stories throughout the Bible of great men and women who struggled with fear, but they overcame it by faith. Folks like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You think they were scared about being thrown in that fire? I bet you there was some fear there, but that fear did not overcome them because their faith in God was so much stronger. They were bold. They had faith. Esther, Queen Esther, David, Abraham, so many more. All of our examples of bold adventurers. So number one, if we're going to be bold adventurers, we need to live our faith. Number two, uh, we need to be bold in that faith. And number three, to become bold Bold adventurers, we must be prepared to give an answer for our faith. First Peter chapter 3, I'm going to read verses 15 and 16. Find it here. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. And keep a good conscience so that in the thing in which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. I, I, I just want to keep reading that. So I encourage you to take a look at First Peter chapter 3. But some of you may remember, <coughs> excuse me, um, <clears throat> there was a huge debate in Kentucky, again, several years ago. It was Ken Ham. He's the, the founder of the Creation Museum. You know, he's the one that's got the, the ARC exhibit there in Kentucky. I have not gone to see that, but boy, I want to. So there was this debate between him. Ken, Ken Ham, the founder of the Creation Museum, uh, he challenged Bill Nye, the science guy, to a debate over whether the Bible story of creation was correct. And a few months earlier from that debate, Nye 
Bill Nye had declared, I say to the grown-ups, if you want to deny evolution and live in your world, in your world that's completely inconsistent with everything we observe in the universe, that's fine. But don't make your kids do it because we need them. We need scientifically literate voters and taxpayers for the future. We need people that can, uh, we need engineers that can build stuff, solve problems. You know what he's saying with that? In other words, he's saying you cannot be an intelligent person if you don't believe in evolution. You cannot be a smart voter or taxpayer or engineer or contribute anything significant to society if you believe in creation. The Bill Nye video went viral. So Ken Ham decided to take Nye to task, and he challenged him to a public debate on the topic. He accepted the premise of the debate, is creation a viable model of origins in today's modern scientific era? The tickets to the event sold out in less than an hour. Millions of people watched the event being streamed live on the internet. I watched it. Alex Bigham watched it. And after the debate was finished, everyone agreed. Ham and I were very respectful of everyone, and the audience was polite and effective. And afterwards, I, I surfed through Facebook comments and made by some believers on the creation research page and, uh, they, and and was pleased to see that none of the comments I read insulted Nye. And what was the result of the debate? Who won? According to Michael Scholson of the Daily Beast, who's an avowed evolutionist, he said, quote, Nye never had a chance. He spent three quarters of the debate sounding like a clueless geek. He spent 10 minutes delivering a dry lecture on geological sediments, biogeography, using the kind of PowerPoint slides that a high school junior might make for his biology class. To say the least, Scholson was not pleased. Nye had been the champion of his ideals, and in his mind, he failed. And to show his displeasure, Scholson spent several sentences attacking Nye as he has been trying to regain his glory years by Standing on an undeserved limelight, what so forth and so forth. So, of course, Scholson had a few negative things to say about Ken Ham as well. He verently disagreed with him and began with, you know, so that's what you'd expect. What, But anyway, one of his comments was this, part of an insult aimed at Ham. It was interesting. He said, Ham, quote, presented testimonial videos from engineers and biology PhDs who hold creationist views. So Kenham proved that there were many credible scientists who believe that God created the world. Not by evolution, but by miracle. In other words, you can believe in creation and still be intelligent. You can be an engineer or a scientist and be uh, uh, believing in God. The fact of the matter is, evolution is not a scientific fact. It's a theory. It never... It's never been observed in the real world. So Ham won the debate. But that wasn't the major purpose. According to a creationist commentator uh, throughout the debate, Ham was consistently bold in citing his confidence in God, in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and in the full authority of divine inspiration of the Bible. The reason the reason I, I, I bring this up is that it illustrates three points of the message. Was Ken Ham respectful and polite to to Bill Nye? If you saw it, he was. He was literally living out his faith in front of the world, showing a humble, gracious spirit as he made his points. Now, I'm not saying Ken Ham is like 
is right on everything. I, uh, he and I are going to disagree on baptism. I, you got, I, I mean, the Bible is pretty clear about baptism being necessary for salvation. Uh, so we have a disagreement on that. I, I want to point out that you know he, you can still, or he is living out the Christian principles. That doesn't make him safe. We all know you don't, you're not saved by by works. But also, Ham was bold in his statements. He made no excuses for the fact that he was a Christian and that the Bible was the basis of his faith. And he knew that he was talk, uh, knew what he was talking about. He spent decades researching the information he shared that night. Even if he'd lost the debate, that mattered less to him than sharing the fact that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, if he can do that, and, this, and, and he doesn't even believe that baptism is necessary for salvation, we cannot rest on his laurels, can we? You and I. We cannot look to other men and say, oh, you know what, other people are out there, and even though he may not be teaching all the truth, the whole truth, but, you know, he's doing a good job. Well, we're, we're, what are you doing? Well, or maybe you see it more like the preacher. Oh, the preacher's up there preaching. He, he's baptizing people, and he's doing Bible studies, and, you know, I support that. Okay. So you, so you gave money to that. Good. Are you being bold? Are you living out your faith? Jesus did not tell his disciples, go make preachers so that they can be bold and live out their faith. He wants that for all Christians. All of us are to do that. Imagine where the world would be if Christians, those who are really striving to be New Testament Christians, if we were bold. If we were bold, things would be different. I don't think we were as bold as we used to be. We were back in the 17, 1800s. Alex Bigelm did a lesson. You can find it on our YouTube channel, Great Lesson. And he talks about the boldness of Christians. He he uses the springboard of Paul uh, before Agrippa. Great lesson. Find it on our YouTube channel. Go to www.nbcoc.net. You scroll down. Uh, you, you can find our links. Go over to our YouTube pa- uh, page. Subscribe to it. Find Alex's lesson. It was from May, what is the date? May the 24th. The early morning worship service is up there right now. Great lesson. I encourage you to listen to that. Be bold. Be brave. Live out your faith. And don't keep it hidden away, folks. That's our purpose. Thank you for being here. Be safe. Be bold. And always give thanks to God. Thank you and take care. Till the sinful world be one for Jehovah's mighty son. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. This program was sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ.